Bokatov. Today's daf is Daf Dalit. We pick up um, two lines from the second line from the top on Dalam Dalit. We um, had a little number of statements yesterday um, relating to the issue of if you don't say Mashi Faruach or you don't say Moritatal or you don't mention the clouds, which we never mention, it's not a problem because these things never stop, which led to a number of meteorological statements. Um, a number of them in the name of Rava. So now we're going to have continuing with some statements of Rava, um, which have a loose tie-in, and then they'll broaden a little bit. So let's take a look. Second line from the top. Dalma Rava, and Rava also says, Haitsum Mirabanan, a young um, rabbinic student, says Surba means like an, a young rabbinic student, Dami Lepartida, it's like a Partida, which is like a little uh, sprout, a tiny little seed under the ground. The Tusekala that is under like a clump of earth that's under the ground. The Kivan de Navat, Navat. Once it starts like sprouting forth, it begins to sprout forth. Like, you know, this is a person, I guess, that's, you know, with a lot of, uh, at the beginning of their career, so once things start, uh, you know, once they start to uh, becoming successful and growing, then it'll, then, you know, like, it's something like it's, a sprout shoots out of the ground, and it, uh, it just grows from there. So, Ve'amar Rava, and Rava also said, Now we're going to talk about young rabbinic students, not with the whole um, more, um, you know, agricultural metaphor, which we were dealing with, which was the obvious tie-in, but now we're broadening it a little bit. So, if you have a young rabbinic student, Deratach, that gets very angry, so you should be, try to be a little bit understanding, seems to be Rava's point. It's the Torah in him that's like burning up in him, in, in him and it might act, act, cause him to act like inappropriately, maybe a little bit overly passionate. Shinamar, as the verse says, So are my words like fire, says God. So somebody, you know, is very like religiously motivated, excited, you know, feels the passion of it, they might lead them to get angry or to overreact. So he's not condoning it, but he's trying to help contextualize it. Ravashi and says Ravashi. Now Ravashi seems to, whereas Rava's statement could be interpreted a little bit more as explaining and contextualizing, um, Ravashi seems to be like condoning that any Tamil Chacham who's not as hard as, as strong and as hard as iron, ain't no Tamil Chacham. It's not a real Tamil Chacham. Um, so Shenemar, um, as the verse says, and like a hammer which will shatter a rock. So maybe, you know, if you have to have that single-mindedness and that sense of uh, conviction, you know, and focus in order to just, you know, to pursue your Torah studies, you need to be sometimes a little bit hard, not a pushover. Then, you learn it out from there. Anon, so we, we learn it out from the following pasuk, the verse says, Land whose rocks are iron. Avaneha, don't do not read rocks. Elaboneha, those that build it. That's you know the famous uh, way the Chazal learned the word bonayich, right? Shalom bonayich, You know those that like build the world and so on. So they're as hard as iron. Now again, it's here clearly it seems to be more condoning. This is appropriate. Uh, even the con- con- uh, association with um, bonayich to build, you know like you want your building materials to be out of iron so uh, there's 
some sense here that sometimes, you know, you need to be uh, strong um, in, in this type of uh, religious pursuit. Yes. There's, uh, there's, there's another layer or play to that famous midrash that you just brought in yeah. um, that this that this word boneha and bonayich yeah. uh, um, built on the shorish lahavin as they go uh, right. to come to understand it as in like the Shorish Rabon right so, yeah, that's a good question I mean we'll do all wonder like what is that common drash of like you know Banayich and Bonayich and is it builders or is it like right Kivunah and understanding so yeah thank you for that right Okay, so um, so here again, it's sort of saying that it's like sometimes you know you got to be a little bit uh, a lot a little bit strong in your uh, in your focus and your convictions, and also if it's a pursuit of truth, then in your you know standing up for what's right. Amaravina, But now we get the counterbalancing, similarly to the way that Rava seemed more to be contextualizing than con- than sort of praising or condoning. Here we move to a type of a praising approach, but now we're still going to ba- balance it. So said Ravina, a few hachi. Even if all of that is true, you have to teach yourself how to deal pleasantly with people. Like, you could very be nice, that you know, you're strong and you have your convictions, but you know, learn, teach yourself how to deal pleasantly. As the verse says, remove anger from your heart. So that a little bit seems to be going back to Rava, who speaks about angered, like, you know, but here, it's, put, it's also put here to juxtapose the statement of Ravashi. So it's all very nice that passion and conviction, you know, and strength of character but there's also the way that you interact you know with other people um, and you learn how to do that properly it sort of reminds me of that statement by uh, what's his name but I, the statement is quoted in so many different ways by um, by um, Rabbi Sol Salanter what is it that any rabbi do people know this line what is it and any rabbi who's something like something like any rabbi who you know who doesn't stand up to his congregation isn't a man, but any rabbi whose congregation whatever isn't a man. I don't know. There's yeah, like yeah, some type yeah, of I, yeah. there's some type of good statement like I that that, that I, I <laughs> it is, but I forget the exact line. Anyway, but it's about the idea of on the one hand you have to you know have you know not be a pushover and you're standing for Torah and you're standing for truth and you have to have that conviction. At the other hand, you have to be able to deal with you know interact with people in a in a menschlich way. All right. So now the Gemara gets back to, um, it's still in an agotic mode, but we'll circle back to our um, theme here. So let's take a look. Three asked inappropriately. Two were responded, even though their request was inappropriate and could have led to something disastrous as we'll see they got the right response that, or they, they got the response that was appropriate one person the response was inappropriate um, corresponding to the way it was requested these are the three Eliezer Eved Avraham Eliezer the, 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 the servant of Avraham the reason it's to be called Eved Avraham here is because it's talking about the story with Rivka where he's never identified in the Torah as Eliezer just as Eved Avraham but Chazal identified him as Eliezer what? well we will see the Shaul ben Kish and Shaul the Yiftach HaGiladi and Yiftach Eliezer Eved Avraham Tichtiv Eliezer the servant of Avraham as it says V'ayan ha'arash Eromar Eilai Tina Chadeich V'ashteh V'amli And she'll say To me she'say V'gam G'lanach Hashka O'tahu Chachta Lav D'chal Yitzchak Right That will be the one You've chosen for Yitzchak So whoever passes the test He said That'll be the one Yachol Afil Chigeres Afilu Suma 
maybe it would even be, even if she would be lame, even if she would be blind, somebody that wouldn't be appropriate for Yitzchak. We're not going to get into here against the whole problem with, you know, how approaching people with still disabilities, but okay, maybe somebody could pass the test and not be appropriate and for, other, for other reasons. Okay. So anyway, Rashi also says, but that doesn't end. In order to pass the test, he first has to say to her, give me the drink. Right. So why can't he check these things out before he says to her? Well, he says, maybe it's not an obvious disability and so on. You know, maybe, maybe, maybe it's hidden. But anyway, um, we won't also go deal again with the, I think, uh, a deeper problem here about, uh, about categorizing people's disabilities. Anyway, Hashivu Kahogan, he got the woman he was looking for. He's Domino Rivka. And exactly the right woman chanced upon him. So it could have been you could pass the test and still not be the right person and nevertheless Baruch Hashem it worked out this is by Goliath, by right Goliath. He says that Joel said whoever smites him, God, the king will uh, enrich him with great wealth and give him his daughter to as a wife. Why anybody who passes the test, even a slave, even a mamzer. So I mean, you know, it's one thing to give him wealth, but you marry off your daughter to him. So Hashivo Kahogan. Nevertheless, even though he wasn't careful and how he framed it and it could have been a bad result he got exactly the appropriate result and he's Damlo David and David was the one not that show so happy with David in the future but okay <laughs> at least initi- at least it was the right of all the possible uh, you know sort of uh, um, results that was the best Yiftach HaGiladi now Yiftach this is the most fascinating one it will be the thing that comes out of my door first when I come back from the war I will offer it as a sacrifice to God so he said whatever comes out of my door so it says um, maybe even and he wasn't careful maybe it would have even referred to let's say a non-kosher thing like a pig now of course it's quite funny because it could have said maybe even if it's a person which is exactly what happened but maybe it means that even if he wasn't even thinking about that possibility he should have at least been thinking about the possibility that it could be a non-kosher animal and he got what was sort of his comeuppance there he, it, it didn't work out yeah we don't know it's fascinating it doesn't it doesn't reflect on like why was that you know that uh, that God allowed the first two to work out well and this one not Shenamar as the verse says um, I feel, uh, I'm sorry, and it was his daughter that walked out of the door and this is what the Navi says to Yisrael in Yermiod is there no mer um, in Gilad is there no healing there so Gilad is Yiftach HaGiladi and the Navi is bemoaning the fact that obviously because you know the problem with those psukim are that the problem with the story of Yiftach is not just that Yiftach did what he did I mean okay so you know, it was one person you don't know you know maybe it was obviously considered a heinous act but if you read the story there's nothing in the story of Yiftach other than the fact that it's like a tragic that this girl has to you know die at a young age there's nothing in the way that Navi tells the story of Yiftach that makes it sound like this thing is like horrific from a religious standpoint right it was just terrible that this young girl had to like you know she was a, what is it she got all her fr- her friends around she she mourned over her law the fact that you know she'll die a virgin but there's nothing there that makes it seem like this thing is like fundamentally you know religiously abhorrent so the Gemara here is trying to express the idea it's a funny thing on the one hand he sort of got what 
was coming to him, but, you know, part of the message is like, yeah, but we see in other stories that God sort of could, you know, had a way of making things work out. God, God here, uh, we allowed it or intentionally made it work out bad, which seems to even more heighten the problem that this is not being sort of uh, condemned. And therefore now we're going to quote Psukim to balance that that says that God was very like, that this was unacceptable. So the first Psukim that we're quoting, you know, is that there was no healing, that this was a terrible thing, you know, and, it was, and, and, there were, and, and there was no way to heal, you know, this problem. Rashi also says that it alludes to the fact that um, the Midrash that says that Pinchas was around at that yeah. time, and he could have gone to Pinchas to be master the Neder. Um, and he did it. And Pinchas didn't go to him. Pinchas said, let him come to me. And Yiftach said, let Pinchas come to me. And therefore, like, they both sort of were punished for not trying to solve the problem and be master the Neder. And that's also this Hatsariyin God, like, why is nobody solving this problem? But again, what the Gemara is trying to do, and it is very funny because like the first thing is like oh so God wanted this to happen so God was all all like controlling this you know by certainly contrasting it to the other two stories and then at the same time saying that this was completely unacceptable which is even more heightened in the next pasuk so let's just read the next pasuk and it says I'll get back to you in a second it says um, and the other verse says right in Yahu, here referring to the the fact that B'nai Israel would offer up their children like um, you know to um, you know uh, in these Fire offerings, the type of child sacrifice, and the verse there says, that Venetia would do these you know, child sacrifices, I think to the Moloch is the context, or it's in a Gay Ben Hinom. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I think. Uh, so, it's, uh, um, and it says that I did not command and I never spoke, and it never occurred to me. This is something that I never wanted child sacrifice. So the Gemara here says, in a way, this is like a very, you know, the Gemara sort of here, like, based on this verse, pulls together stories which don't, which sort of are a little problematic, make it a little, make you a little bit question how much has child sacrifice been completely eradicated and completely something God does not want. So let's take a look. So it says, Asher lo that I never commanded, Zeb no Moav. This is the son of Mesha, the king of Moab. Shenema, the verse says, So now this is about a non-Jew. Fine, but if you know the story there, they are going to war against Israel, and it looks like Moab is about to be destroyed, and he takes his son, which would have been his, uh, the, the king underneath him, and he br- brings him up as a sacrifice, and then the next thing is, is that, uh, that um, you know, that, uh, they, that Bnei Israel sort of the war breaks off. They don't succeed. They don't vanquish him. So it seems like his sacrifice was accepted because after he offers up his son as a sacrifice, he actually, they, they escaped defeat. So it had a positive effect or at least, you know, at least if you sort of, I really, you know, what is the, what, what's the point? You know, juxtaposition is not causality, right? Just because one thing follows the other doesn't mean that it was causal, but Thor never said, like, God answered him, but after he offers up his son, they don't get defeated like it looked like they were about to suffer imminent defeat. So it says, oh, but I never wanted that. You know, I, I wasn't asking for that. I didn't want that. That's not what that was about. Okay? The low debarti, I never spoke it. Zeyiftach, I never told Yiftach to do it. It was him. He did it himself. Okay? The low al-tali be. It never even occurred to me. Zeyiftach ben Abraham. That was Yiftach. I said, haleoleolab. I never really occurred to me that that, that that would really be how it would be a play out. You know, I just did it as a test. I did it because I meant bring him up, but I didn't mean it like Rashi, the famous Rashi, what's the Midrash? I didn't literally mean sacrifice him. Okay, maybe it's a, probably also a play in the word um, um, 
Alta and Valeu Olal, though Alta also occurred by, by, uh, by what do you call it? By, by, by Mesha Melch Moab. So here the Gemara, this actually is interesting because some scholars actually, you know, do raise this question, which is, you know, how much was, you know, was tri- the idea or the impetus for child sacrifice really completely eradicated? Um, you know, I mean, if you just think about some of the Midrashim by, by, by the case of the Akedah, I mean, first of all, the Akedah presents, of course, for us a lot of you know, um, very deep religious quest, you know, issues nowadays in the sense of following a religious mandate, even if it's, you know, even if it's unethical, calls for murder, and so on, especially in the day now, you know, things we deal with with religious fundamentalism, you know, which starts all the way, you know, the earliest sort of problematizing of that was the Akeda, or the most famous goes back to Kierkegaard, you know, um, but, um, but that's not necessarily how the Akeda was looked at traditionally. The Akeda traditionally was not looked at as the challenge of, do you listen to God? against your the sense of morality and right and wrong like if you think about what we say in the liturgy in the liturgy we say right Avram was willing to overcome his compassion to do give what is most dear to him to do your will you guys should be able to overcome your anger against us so it wasn't that he overcame the sense of right and wrong but he gave over what was most dear to him Right, so it's not in problematized as a fundamental issue of morality and you know and murder. It's just doing what is most dear. So and that was the test. And if you think about the Rashi, you know Rashi quoting the Midrash. I mean, it's really a Midrash precious Rapa. But you know where it says when it says Avram took the ram and he and he and, and you know and what is it? Tachas Right, what does Tachas mean? As he was shechting the ram, he said, "Let this be like I'm shechting Yitzchak." And as he was sprinkling the blood he says let's just be like the blood of you I mean it's very graphic but what it's basically saying is is that that impetus for you know for a child sacrifice doesn't just go away and even if God is saying give a substitute it doesn't mean that it gets like eradicated and there's that still that sense of like you know in certain people's minds somebody told me this could only be men like women would never think this way a mother would never think this way <laughs> but you know but there's this sense of give what's most dear you give your first son if everybody ever saw did see the movie Noah 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 so anyway it's, okay I won't ruin it for you but at the end you have a scene just like that you know mm-hmm. the father or the grandfather like he thinks God wants my son the mother will never think that way but anyway way, so what this is doing is it's actually pointing out that there are cases in the Tanakh where it seems like people are acting on this and they don't, it doesn't seem to be completely condemned. You know, the story of Yiftach, the story of Mesha, of Melech Moav, which again brings God and B'nai Israel into that equation. So the Gemara here is like based on the Tzotzuk in Yim and it seems to be that is part of Yim rhetoric, is insisting, don't read those stories that way. The stories should not be read that there would ever be a hint that God would want this, you know, and that was completely something that never God had desired. And that Gemara, though, is dealing with that tension here. So on the one hand, Heshivo Shalokahogen, and he, uh, you know, he could have, God could have made something else occur, but he made the daughter be the one, or God allowed for the daughter to be the one, and on the other hand, don't interpret this to mean that this is something that God ever wanted. God would never want this, this was completely unacceptable. So, let's just read a little bit more, I'll take the question. So the Gemara says like this, Amarebrachia um, even the Knesset Yisrael asked inappropriately and this will show why we're, this will just be the tie into our Masechet um, and God responded though appropriately let us know to, uh, to run to know God 
Kishachar Nachon Motzao, like the morning or like the you know sun, which is a, a trustworthy. It's ri- the rising of the sun. Viavoki Geshem Ulanu, and it will come down like rain to us. So Amalak Kadosh Baruch So God said to to the children of Israel, Biti, my daughter, Achuel Estava Shapamai Mitzpakei Shapamai Menomitzpakei. You're asking for something that sometimes is desirable and something is sometimes is not desirable. Like we've been learning, rain in the wrong time is a bad thing. It's a klala. So you want it to be like rain. Rain isn't always desirable. I will be for you something that is always desirable. Shenemar Israel. I'll be like the dew. So as we were learning yesterday, the dew is always present and, you know, always good, although it's discussed before a pile of bracha and pile not of bracha, but anyway, and therefore that is God's response. Okay, um, we will finish up this point. One final request that was inappropriate. Master of the universe. Make me like a seal on your heart, like a seal on your, on your arm. God said, You ask me something that sometimes is visible, sometimes is not. You don't, things that are on your arm, you know, could be covered up with your clothes, with your sleeves. I will be for you something that is always seen. Behold, I have uh, carved you onto my, you know, very palms, something that is always visible. So I just want to say, by the way, besides the idea here of the issue of Tal versus Geshem, the other important theme that this is bringing up, which is a major, major theme of this Mesechet, is rain as a metaphor, maybe even better to say, as a, um, as a, as a, as a not even as a metaphor, as an expression of God's closeness to Bnei Yisrael. Part of the whole issue of is it raining is it not raining is not just we need the rain for the crops but is God, are we in fi- finding favor with God or not finding favor with God if it's not raining that means that God is distant from us you know and the rain comes down from the heaven it's the most sort of you know most physical thing that expresses if you think about it it's almost like the r- reverse of sacrifices right the sacrifices you make a fire and it goes up to heaven and the rain you know is the life giving thing that comes down from heaven and it's that powerful like say, not only even a symbol you know, but in a sense a powerful, like, you know, uh, um, a manifestation of God's desiring and connecting to B'nai Yisrael. So here that theme is really brought up in the sense of be like rain, be like dew, which is expressing that relationship between God and B'nai Yisrael. Okay, there were a few questions. Charlie. Yeah, uh, Yitzhak is not the only uh, bad event in Sefer team that seems to not get condemned, but later on the Nivium are more seem to be more likely to uh, condemn the actions of some a lot of the bad kings, right? Uh, the the idolatry, the, right? Um, but, so there's a question: Why is Sefer Shoftim so much just plain stop there? Why did right? Why does it give him a pass? Yeah, you know, as much. But yeah, yeah, I agree. You know, so that's a question. And again, the question is exactly quoting the Pesach in Is it that that maybe the thing thing was not seen as horrific? Mm-hmm. You know, earlier on. You know. So, right, I mean, that's the question. When God says, don't bring Yitzchak, is God saying, because child sacrifice is completely horrific and I never want it? Or is God just saying, I'm not asking that from you? But it's not like that yeah. the thing itself is incomprehensible, right? right? So obviously we would like to think the former, but, um, but you know, um, but, yeah. On the, on the other yeah. subject of child sacrifice, current biblical archaeology review has an article on child sacrifice. Okay. Um, <laughs> specifically on Carthage, which was a Phoenician right. Canaanite. right. And the conclusion is, yeah, they did it. Yeah. And it was not that uncommon. Right. 
Yeah, I would say is that it's, you know, it's one thing to point out uh, by the other psukim that God didn't say to Yitzchak, you didn't say to Misha and Melchizedek when you sacrificed your son. Okay, then you can sort of get away with that God didn't want it. But right. Yitzchak, it's a little bit harder. Well, that I think is why it leaves the Asher Lo Alta Alibi for Yitzchak, because by Yitzchak it was TVC and it was Dibarti, it just wasn't Alta Alibi. I'm trying to make it fake. Yeah, I said it, but I wasn't playing, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. I said it, but I didn't mean it. Okay. Um, now, so anyway, that ends that discussion. Nagadik ends to the whole issue about Tain Talumatar and um, excuse me about um, about Morid Hatal, not you know not saying it, you know, and not saying if he even drops off the Mashiv Haruach, that doesn't cease. I should just mention the Halacha that. Okay, so it says you don't have to say Mori Tal at any time. In theory, you could say it at all times. You could say in the winter, in, in the in the you know winter and fall, Mori Tal Masif Haruach Mori Dageshem if you want to, and you could say it during the summer and the spring Mori Tal. But it says you don't have to. So Tosos quotes a Yerushalmi that says that if you say Mori Tal instead, and you you know let's say you say it all the time, or let's say you say it in the summer, but then you kept on saying it um, in the rainy season as well, and you forgot to say Masif Haruach that Mori Dageshem. Excuse me, that you don't have to go back because now, um, and therefore, they lead to a, a, a position in Tosfos, which is the, which is not the position of the Ramah and most Ashkenazim, but it is, I believe, the position of Svardim. Correct me, though, if I'm wrong. And I believe other certain strands of Ashkenazi Nusach, which is that you say Mori Hatal in the um, in the summer, <coughs> and in, in the summer and in the spring, and therefore the side benefit of it. Mar never says it's bad to say Mori Hatal. Just says you don't have to say Mori Hatal. So okay, you'll mention another Shevach of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Why is that bad? No problem. And the other benefit of it is, is that if you forget to say Mashiach Haruach, once it Hageshem, specifically Murid Hageshem, once it becomes like after Sukkot, and you just say what you've been used to saying, which is Murid Hatal, then you don't have to go back. So it's perfect. You don't have to go, oh, did I remember? Did I not remember? I suffered first 30 days. I go back afterwards. I don't go back. If you won't, you'll never have to go back because at worst cases, you said Murid Hatal. But it, by the way, it doesn't mean you'll never go back because there could still be a problem the other half of the year when you're supposed to stop saying Murid Hageshem. Right, and it becomes actually, you know, the uh, post Pesach period, and you're sort of supposed. And then, if you do continue to say Morit Hagesh when you're not supposed to say it, that we learned also. That's the whole idea of rain in the wrong time is a klala, but it's a simon klala. So, but at least for half the year, you don't have to worry because for half the year, either you said Machi Baruch Hashem like you should have, or you said Morit Hatal, and either way, you're safe. So that was that's my minog as well. Like even though not as much my family minog, I figure like you know, there's nothing, no downside, and the only thing you can do is help you half the year not have to worry about going back the interesting thing to say about that though is, is this, and this is like the flip of the idea in Tosos that came up with if you forgot Mashif Morit HaGeshem that Tosos says you can say it in Shomei Tfilah. as I said yesterday we don't pass in that way but that deals with the issue of Mashif Haruch Morit HaGeshem being like an introduction to um, Bakasha so not just a appropriate Shevach in that location in Shemona Esrei and if you see it as an introduction to Bakasha you could say it in Shomei Tfilah. If you missed it in, you know, Mechaim Mesim. We, again, we don't talk in that way, but that's one way of looking at it. So the flip thing has to be asked about Morid Hatal. How does Morid Hatal get you out of Morid Hageshem? Um, you know, Morid Hageshem. You need rain, so you need to be saying Geshem. Tal never ceases. So why does saying Morid Hatal get you out of the obligation of saying Morid Hageshem? So if you think that Mashi Baruch and Morid Hageshem is all about a precursor to asking for rain, then there's no reason Morid Hatal should get you out of it because it's not about rain. 
But if Mashi Baruch Geshem is about an obligation to just sort of acknowledge, you know, God's power and God, the fact that God brings rain as one of the Shvachim of God, so Moridatal is in the same category. It's recognizing God's power over the water cycle, over, you know, the meteorological functions and so on, things that he, God does that help bring, you know, sustenance to the world. So it's not about a Bakasha for rain. It's just about a Sheva. So Moridatal could be seen as a type of a substitute. So that, those two questions, is Moridatal a substitute or an acceptable Bidyeved? And can you say Mashiach Haruch Bidyeved in Shomei Tzvilah? Get to the heart of a question which we're about to resume, which is the debate of Rabbi Eliezer and Rabbi Yoshua to some degree, which is to what degree is Mashiach Haruch Moridageshem really just a precursor to Bakasha? Okay, yeah, some questions. And then, yeah. I believe Ashkenazim in Israel universally said Moridatal. Could be. I think that's Minagra Grah. Right, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just going to say, the other thing is you only get tal when it's been cool out. Uh-huh. You get dew when it's, you know, 80, 90 degrees. You know, because then it doesn't get. condense, it just all right, evaporates. It right, right. So, on some level, right, it's still a sign that you're, you know, Hopefully, things you know your crops are not gonna are not gonna overheat and burn and so on. Aha, uh-huh, uh-huh. something positive still in terms of the growth. Good point. So yep. What I want to uh, clarify is that you're saying the only reason why. Not the only reason. I mean, the Gemara sort of doesn't give heavy weight to say it or not say it. If she says, if you don't say it, it's okay. It never really says you. It's a little bit elusive to the idea that maybe you're supposed to say it, but never really makes that point either. So no, I said like, okay. So first of all, say it. It's a positive. The Gemara, you know, certainly never says it's a bad thing to say it. If anything, it's a positive thing to say it because it's another shevach of a kodesh baruch But you know, it has a real benefit in terms of this other thing. But I'm not saying it's the only reason. Okay, so let's now move on. So that's a good a good segue into this discussion, which we're going to again visit the relationship of Matkirim and Shoalim. So the Mishnah a- opens with the case of mentioning Then it goes. There's a lot of back and forth referred between mentioning and asking Matkirim v'Shoalim, Matkirim Shoalim. So we have had that debate about when do you say it. Now we have this one line in the Mishnah, which is. Right? You only ask for rain. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just looking for the rain. Near the time of the rain. Now, that's not so clear what the time of the rain is. Now, if you look at, take a peek ahead at uh, the next, not the actual, the next Mishnah, well, it's a, it's a big ahead, but um, <laughs> let me tell you where it is. Um, the Mishnah on Daf Yudam Ra'alef, no, not that one, because that tells Yudam Ra'alef, it says, right, the Gimel B'marchesha and Sholinesh and Gishamim. Okay. So when do you ask? Three of Macheshran or or seven of Macheshran. So that seems to be the clarification of what Samach Gishami means. Although you start saying Machibaruch Marita Geshem you know, at latest after Pesa, after Sukkot is over, right, Shemini Atzeres, that's when you start saying it, the whole debate with all of Sukkot or at the end of Sukkot, but the actual asking for it, that you wait till it's much more the fully appropriate time, till it's the third or seventh of Marcheshvan. That's presumably how the Mishnah reads, but the Gemara is not going to necessarily assume that. So let's take a look. Ain't showing the Kavitzam. Sabrua, we assume, 
So the Gemara says, fascinatingly, although Rabbi Eliezer explicitly says not this way, Rabbi Eliezer says, no, I'm talking about Lahask here, not Lishol. The Gemara is saying, we're assuming that uh, maybe within Rabbi Yoshua, since Rabbi Yoshua doesn't distinct, you know, doesn't buy into saying Mashi Varuach not, at the, you know, before you want it. Rabbi, Rabbi Yoshua's whole point is, you don't say Mashi Varuach until you really want the rain, until it really will be good. So maybe according to him, those two times are exactly the same. There's no gap between Mashi Faruach and Tain Talub Matar. She'ela and Haskara occur at the same time, at least according to Rabbi Yoshua. That's what we're assuming. So, Mantana, so who is this Tana that says that, um, that, you, that you start asking for it, right, you know, when it's the right, when it's, when it's the time of rain? Amar Rabbi Yoshua, Amar Mishasa It's Rabbi Yoshua that says when you start asking for it after you put down the Lula, which presumably means Shemini Atzeret, and now the Gemara is assuming that not only does he say that you start saying Mashif Ruach, but you start saying Tain Talamata. I mean, don't say it on Shemini Atzeret, but fine, you'll start saying it the next day. Okay, that, uh, that, that, and that those are exactly the same time. By the way, Abai, Abai said no. I feel him Rabbi Eliezer, even Rabbi Eliezer, which is what Rabbi Eliezer said in the Mishnah, right? Rabbi Eliezer could agree that you ask for it later. You know, he just says that mentioning it comes earlier. So, again, the assumption here that you, that you ask for it, you know, when it's closer to the time that you want it, does not necessarily mean that you wait to mention it. The mentioning could begin earlier. The Igadiyah means some say, so that it started more with like a question, not a statement. Maybe this idea that you say, you know, um, that you start asking Tain Talmatar that maybe that's only Rebbe Eliezer because assumingly that would mean not only do you start saying Tain Talmatar later but you start saying Mashif Ruach later so that would only be a Rebbe Yoshu idea that says Mashif Ruach comes later so as Mar says I'm a Rabbi no a few of them are Rebbe Eliezer it could even be Rebbe Eliezer you could be that you ask for it later but you mention it earlier again seems to be like very obvious that that's what's going on in the Mishnah but it's raising the question that while Rabbi Eliezer says that explicitly that I'm okay saying Mashiv Haruach during Sukkot before you say Mashiv before you start asking is that true according to Rabbi Yehoshua is it possible that since Rabbi Yehoshua says you don't say Mashiv Haruach until you it's really you, you would want the rain to happen and that's our idea that Mashiv Haruach is a precursor to Tain Talimotar maybe he doesn't have a gap of time at all between those two and maybe he would actually say that you start saying both of them as soon as Sukkot is out and we're going to continue with that possibility right here. Let's take a look. Rabbi Yehuda Omer, over Teva, the one who, uh, if you begin the davening, um, that the Baal Shachlis and Shmini Atzeres does not say it, and the Baal Musaf says, Mashi Faruach. Ramini, I'll ask you on this, and Masai Cholim is a Gishamim, until when do you ask for it? And the, excuse me, at the opposite end, the Baal Shachlis uh, for, uh, for the first day of Pesach says it, and the Baal Musaf does not say it. So, so you, but you say it until the beginning of Pesach. So we've got a Mishnah, the next Mishnah coming up, and this is the Mishnah, hey, not when you begin, but when you end. And Matar is showing this Bishamim until when you ask for the rain. Until Pesach is is done until Pesach is, is over. Rabbi Meir Omer Achiyavur Nisan until all of Nisan is over. So we'll put aside Rabbi Meir for now. But Rabbi Yehuda, on the one hand, says you say it until the first day of Pesach. You switch over at Musaf, and in the next Mishnah, he says you say it throughout Pesach until Pesach is passed over. Excuse the pun. Okay. Anyway, so Amar Av Chizda Lokash. It's not difficult. Can we show Can Lahazkir? Okay. 
So, it says, ah, because our Mishnah, now again we're getting to this question of are, do these things overlap or not? Our Mishnah has him say, you stop saying Mashiv Haruach Morid HaGeshem on the first day of Pesach. But he's saying, fine, that's when you stop saying Mashiv Haruach, but you keep on asking for it and saying Tain Talmud throughout all of Pesach. Which is like bizarre, right? Until now we said, you know, you can mention it before, but you know, you're asking, you know, presumably, as long as you're asking, you're also mentioning, right? The mentioning can come by, but why would the mentioning stop and you still be a period of asking? If you're still asking for rain, you should still be saying, But that's what it thinks to resolve. It would technically resolve the Mishnayot. Our Mishnah is talking about mentioning. The next Mishnah is talking about asking. So the Gemara says, okay, so, so let's see. You keep on asking through Pesach, at least you say it on Cholamoe, to say that you switch over on the first day. You stop on the first day. So Amar Ula, so Ula said, that statement of Rav Chizda, to think you would not say while you're asking for rain, is as difficult like vinegar to the teeth and smoke to the eyes like that thing is like so hard to comp- you know make sense it's like make it's op- you know it's, 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 it's the opposite so umav makom she'eno shoel before it's even the time to begin asking you mention but like you start mentioning according to Rabbi Yehoshua you start according to Rabbi Yehoshua you mention at the beginning of Sukkot according to even according to Rabbi Yehoshua Although we're we're sort of a little bit had some question about that, but you mentioned from you know Shemini Atzeres until Marcheshva, and you're mentioning it without asking for it. Mentioning can occur before it's right to be before it's appropriate to be asking. So if you're still in a period of asking for it, it's over Pesach, and you think you're still asking for it over Pesach, then obviously you should still be saying it. How could you be asking for it and not saying it? El Amar Ula, so Ula said no. Trade Tanai, I'll leave it to Rabbi Yehuda. Easiest answer. There's a debate of Tanai and what Rabbi Yehuda said. Our Mishnah assumes he says you stop saying Mashi Varuach on the first day of Pesach, and therefore you would also stop saying Tain Talumatar, because if you're not saying Mashi Varuach, you're not saying Tain Talumatar. And the other time it says, now you say both of them till the end of Pesach. Okay, that's the easiest answer. It's a debate, you know, it's two versions of Rabbi Yehuda. Now we're going to try to get more creative answers to reconcile it and have them both actually be saying the same thing. So let's take a look. Rav Yosef, Rav Yosef says, "My ad sheyavor haPesach." What does it mean that you say, you know, "Tain talumotar" until Pesach is done? Even though we're saying that according to the our Tana, you would only say it till the first day. So ad sheyavor shliach tzibur rishon ayor biyomta rishon shel Pesach. That's a very creative reread. It doesn't mean until Pesach has passed over. Again, I don't mean to be making a pun anymore, but okay. It doesn't mean until Pesach has passed. It means until the Shliach Tzibur passes in front of the congregation on the first day of Pesach. So Ache Yavra Pesach means until the first day of Pesach. All right, so that's a very creative reread, but even with that reread, the Gemara doesn't buy it. Until Musa. Um, until Musa. So Amalei Abaye, so Abaye said, one minute. You can't say you say Tain Talmatar until Musa of the first day of Pesach, because... When do you really <laughs> stop saying Tain Talmatar? Mincha before. Once it's Yantav, you don't have the Bracha. You don't have Barech right? That's a Shanazot, right? So, how, so, so, I'm going to say, Shayla Yantav Mincha. 
You don't have to ask him for it on Yantiv. What do you? He that you ask for it until the you know until Musaf or until you know the, the, the davening on the first day of Yantiv. So Amalei in yes Shom Turgaman the translator can ask. Now that's a bizarre thing. What translator? So Rashi says is there was there a translator of the davening? Was it a translator of the Kriyas Torah? So you, if you look at Rashi, Rashi says where it says Maturgaman. I'm trying to find the Rashi. Um, um, yeah. Um, Rashi says the Maturgaman. Um, well, actually, let's first read the line of the Gemara. So the Maturgaman Shoel Davashin the Tzarich with Sibur. I'm sorry. I'm not sorry. No, I was right. The first Rashi says in Shoel the Maturgaman. Rashi says Bidrash about ten lines before the lines that wide. Shudoresh. So bizarre type of idea. First of all, the Maturgaman now here is like the guy giving the sermon. I don't know why he's called the Maturgaman. Maybe the person who would translate the Kriya Torah would also interrupt and give a little drasha somewhere at some point. And inserting in your sermon, maybe you'll say a bracha of, you know, adiantiv of Tain Talamatalivracha. Like, where? Who's making this stuff up? So anyway, so that's the person. That you would say until until davening on, on, on the first day of Pesach. So the Gemara says, "V'chim neturgim and shalav davashin netzarech l'tzibur." No, you don't ask if it's not needed. Now again, isn't that partly of what's debated is whether it still is needed? Until when is the rain needed? But anyway, clearly we're not going to buy into this idea that there would be some mention of Tain Kalamatali Vracha on the first day outside the context of davening. So that's not a legitimate reread of that Mishnah that you ask Tain Kalamatar until the first day davening because you stop asking for it earlier. It's better like Ula. Fine. That's a, well, let's just accept that it's a machlokas of Rabbi Yehuda's position. But now we're going to have, we're not giving up. Rabbah Amar, Rabbah says another way of reconciling the two Mishnayas. My Asher Pesach, what does it mean until Pesach has passed? So Pesach doesn't mean Chag HaMatzos. Pesach means what it means more biblically. It means the bringing of the Korban Pesach. And it means until the time of the Shechita of the Pesach has passed over. Like the beginning, so is the end. The same way at the beginning of the process. You start mentioning Mashi Faruach before you start asking, at least until Cheshvan. Even at the end of the process, you stop asking, according to him. Now, I don't get why it means the time of Shechting the Pesach has passed, because Shechting the Pesach is the whole afternoon. Rashi says it means that after the morning has passed. But anyway, that is the time of Shechting the Pesach. Anyway, but okay. Uh, so in the afternoon, at Mincha time, you're no longer asking. Nevertheless, you're still mentioning. So the mentioning of it can begin earlier and continue later. But the explicit asking does not, you know, is at a smaller period period of time. So Archi Yavorha Pesach and the next Mishnah means that you stop saying you stop saying Mashiva Ruach um, by Musaf of Pesach of the first day and you stop saying Tain Tolomotar by Erev Pesach or by Mincha of Erev Pesach. Amalia Abaye so Abaye said back Okay, so logically that makes sense. It's a little difficult read of Ashi of Pesach, but but I says I, I don't understand the, the, the you know even I don't really get the logic just because you've created this parallel. I get that you could start mentioning it at the beginning, before you start asking. And this is exactly the issue we've been discussing. How much is Mashifaruach 
you know, a, a, a lead-in to saying Tain Talamakta, or is it independent in terms of its function in Shemona Esrei? So he says, look, he's taking the approach uh, that uh, that Ruach is a, you know, Ritzu She'elahi. It is, a, it is like uh, appeasing, you know, laying the groundwork for making the request. First you praise God when it's the right time about this, about this uh, power, this, uh, and then you start asking God to act on it. Okay, so I get why it proceeds. Ela Sofa, but at the end, my Ika, right? If you're done asking for rain, why would you keep on mentioning it? The whole idea is to mention as a lead and to ask. When the asking is done, the mentioning should be done. Again, this gets to the heart of the question of whether you see Mashivaruach just in this capacity or not. But Abaye sees it just in that capacity, so he can't accept that you continue to say Mashivaruach after you're done asking. Once again, we reject these ways of reconciling and we go back to Ula saying it's two opinions. But what this Gemara has done is it's again brought this issue of the relationship of, you know, Mashifaruach to Tain Talumatar. That on the one hand, we've accepted the idea that you could start saying Mashifaruach a good deal before you say Tain Talumatar. Certainly that's Rabbi Eliezer's position. You say it in, you say Mashifaruach in Sukkot, you only ask for it after. But even Rabbi Yoshua could have saying it the whole duration <coughs> Until, Chesh, until Mar Cheshvan and only start asking in Mar Cheshvan and then we asked about the end because there seemed to be a contradiction of Rebbe Yehuda about when you end and the Gemara was exploring the possibility that they would diverge there as well but there the Gemara says no it says there it doesn't make sense it makes sense that Majlis Ruach can come before you know at Tain Talamatza but you can't be on the one hand the first suggestion was rejected you can't be saying Tain Talamatza without saying Majlis Ruach that would make no sense and you can't even according to Abayi continue saying Mashivaruach after you've stopped asking. There would be no point, says Abaye, to continue saying it. Now that's not as logically impossible. That has to do with the function of Mashivaruach, but at least Abaye says there would be no point to continue saying it if you were no longer asking for rain, no longer interested in, the, in, in God drinking the rain. Rabbi, okay, yes. Ritsui is that technical term we saw in the Karbanot and the Avodah. Well, it says, you know, because that's very common in the Pesukim, you know, Yeratzeh Lakriv, you know, Hamakrivoto Lo. No, that's not. Yeah, we said that's Lo Yechaseh. But Relaxolam Lishnei Hashem. You know, Ritzoy is a common word used in the Pesukim by the Korbanot, meaning that the Korban is accepted. And here, you're right. It's the same so term that's now being applied to Tzivah. Right. Yeah. So that's intentional. Right. You are correct. It's a good question. <laughs> when how much Ritzoy gets used by um, you know Meratzeh, Eino Meratzeh, whatever is a very very common not only in the but in the technical halachic language of Korbanot, I'd have to so think about how much it gets used by Shira. of rain in its time coming as a divine acknowledgement right. of appropriate moral behavior, let's say, or religious behavior of humanity. Right, right. Although, I, I, I get, uh, again, I don't know, if, yes. Although I do think it's like an interesting question of the use of Korbanot terminology by you know, Tifila in sh- general. Sh- yes. Right, right, right. right. So we're still tying back on some level to the, to the water libation. Um, yes, which is buying the rats of Salamayim. Right. That is correct. And that's, you know, and, you're, you're, and it's a very good point. I mean, Rabbi Eliezer's language 
according to the right on page number day, which is Arbor Minim Halalu, I think there he used explicitly, and that was ex- and that's a very good point because that is exactly the point that the Ritzoy can come before the Bakasha the sort of getting God you know to you know sort of doing an offering and doing something that God will make God desirous without and you know without yet asking for it and without it yet being the time and here too the idea is li- it's a Ritzoy for the ultimate Bakasha so that's a very good point okay so now we've got that issue about the relationship of the two but we're not done so let's take a look. Um Ravasi, Amr Reb Yochanan, says Ravasi in the name of Yochanan, we're about uh, eight lines down by the asterisk, um, and the wide lines. Halacha to Reb Yehuda. We rule like Reb Yehuda. That's, we know we do that. We know that we switch off at Musaf on Sukkot and Pesach. So, I'm going to leave Rav Ravasi, so Rav Zeir said to Ravasi, who quoted Rav Yochanan in terms of this Psaq, did Rav Yochanan really say that? That's now we talk in Mishnah, you start asking on the third of Marcheshvan, on the seventh, we were like Rav Gamliel, and we start saying, on the seventh of Marcheshvan in Eretz Yisrael. So why is this a problem? So Rav Asi is assuming, again, what we sort of have now been assuming the opposite, but he's assuming that saying Tain Talamatar is coextensive with so how can you say we rule like Reb Yehuda that we do the switch off on Shemini Atzeres it's not true we only start saying Tain Talamatar on Marcheshvan and he assumes that Tain Talamatar is the same as Mashi Varuach so either they should both be Shemini Atzeres or the day after Shemini Atzeres or they should both be Zayin Marcheshvan so it can't be that we rule like Reb Yehuda because we rule Zayin Marcheshvan for Tain Talamatar I thought the question was did Rabbi Yochan say well that's going to be one of the answers Amalek Gavra is Gavra Karami what are you bothering me with this? That's one of them is Rabbi, one of them is Rabbi Yochanan and the other is Rabbi Lazar. Okay, but the more interesting answer is that how, why are you assuming that Tain Talamatar is the same as Mashi Varuach? The Ebay same, and if you want, I could say Lokash, Kanlish or exactly the difference that we've been talking about. That even within a Rebbe Yehuda and a Rebbe Yeshua approach, they accept that there's a difference between saying Lahaskir, Tain Mashi Faruach, that can begin on Shmini Atzeres, and Tain Talamatar, which begins only on Zayin Marcheshwan. So the Gemara says, one minute, that, that's not an answer. To say it's not Rabbi Yochanan is one thing, but to say that there's a difference between the two, Rabbi Yochanan rejects the idea that there's a difference between the two. So I'm a Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan says, B'mokom maskir, as long as, wherever you're asking, you're, you're mentioning. Now, if anybody remembers their, you know, prepositional logic from, uh, from high school, just because if, you know, if P then Q doesn't mean, right, if Q then P. Just because every time you say, t- whenever you're saying Tain Talamata, you're saying Mashi Faruach, does not mean that whenever you're saying Mashi Faruach, you're saying Tain Talamata. Okay? But the Gemara is assuming that. And it's assuming for a Yochanan they're completely coextensive. Okay? So the Gemara says, so its first answer is exactly not this. Hahu Lafsaka. That's when it comes to ending, like we said, right? So if you've got, we'll visualize this a little bit. Right? If you've got here, Shemini Atzeret, Right? And then let's say here becomes like this is all Tishrei, right? And then this is Cheshvan and Mark Cheshvan, and then you have seven Mark Cheshvan here, right? So here what you've got is you've got, right? So if you've got basically you're saying here, you know, Lahaz here, you're saying Mashi Faruach, Mashi Faruach, right? Moria Geshem, okay? This is the key part, fine. Okay, you're saying Lahaz here, and you start saying, and that keeps on going here, right? I'm sorry. 
this right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then you start saying here, right? You start saying paint Talmatar. Okay. And then you get to. You get to. Well, you get to you get to Tetra of Nisa, right? You get to Tetra. You get to the wall. You get to the wall. And then you stop saying it. Okay? So he says, yes, when you, you went, the Makam Shashoel, as long as you're asking, you're mentioning, that's when it comes to ending. So it means when you stop asking, you don't continue saying, which was a suggestion the Gemara had, maybe even you stop asking, maybe you should continue saying, Mashiach even after you're done. No. Once you no longer want it, once it's not a lead-in, Right here, it's a lead-in, uh, you know, it's a lead-in to begin asking. And as long as you ask, you mention. When you stop asking, you stop mentioning. You, there's no idea of continuing, and that's what the Gemara said before. That's Lahavsik. But to begin, you could begin one before the other. The Gemara says, um, So the Gemara says, wait, we have another statement of Yochanan, which really says they're co- coextensive at both sides. As soon as you start, start mentioning, you start asking, that's explicit, that they start at the same time. When you stop asking, you stop mentioning. So Rabbi Yochan, he had this bizarre idea that we thought was, you know, bizarre, that the Gemara assumed that they were completely the same time. This is actually, we find out a position of Rabbi Yochanan. Rabbi Yochanan says, and all occur at exactly the same time. So how could Rabbi Yochanan say that and say we rule like Rabbi Yehuda? If he's saying we rule like Rabbi Yehuda, it means that we start saying Tain Tolumotar day after Shemini Atzeret. Because he says Tain Tolumotar follows exactly with Mashiv HaRuach. So the Gemara says, Ela Lokasha, Halam Halahu. This is for them, this is, this is for, 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 for us, this is for them. So meaning for us, we would start saying, Ma, we would start saying, um, uh, excuse me, um, 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 we would start saying, Tain um, Talumatar, uh, only on Zayim Marchesh, and very bizarre, the Mishnah written in Eretz Yisrael that says Zayim Marchesh and is talking about Bavel. Okay, we would start saying that only in Bavel. We would, we would wait in Bavel. No, 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 no. There, there would presumably be a break. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe, maybe you're right. Maybe we'd start both of them, but that would be Zayim Marchesh, and that's for Bavel. That's that, that's that. That Mishnah and the idea of Reb Yehuda, that's Eretz Yisrael. There we need the rain earlier. So the Gemara says, one minute. Maishna lididan. How is it different for us? Gisvan pevi bedabra. We still have our crops out in the field, and we don't want it to rain. You know, and we, we want it to until later. We we don't want rain in uh, Tishrei. We only want it to begin raining in Cheshvan. So that's why you say for us we'll wait till Zion. Lididunami islu oli regalim. You know, we, we, the Mishnah says the reason that you wanted to wait till Marcheshen is you wanted to wait for the people who came up for the rental to get home, so they should also be waiting. Now, there's an obvious answer, right? We're talking about nowadays. So the verse says, no. He's talking that there's no base of Mikdash, so therefore in Eretz Yisrael, they're happy to have the rain right after Sukkot, and that's when he means we paskin like Rabbi Yehuda. And according to Bavo, we'll wait till Marcheshen for the rain, and that's the psak of the next Mishnah. So, now that you've come along to this distinction of uh, whether there's a base of Mikdash it could all work for Eretz Yisrael which is good because we're talking about Tanaitic sources so why should it be about Bavel 
That's a Mishnah that we say we pass in like that you you wait till till Zion Marcheshran. That's when there's a base of Mikdash. You have to wait for the Oli Regalim to get home. The idea that we pass in like Reb Yehuda, and again assuming Lahaskir and Lishal are the same thing, that's for nowadays. Nowadays we can get the rain right after Sukkot. So now the Gemara ends. The Anan, the Islan, for us that we hold, Trey Yome, two days of, yeah. so that, of Shmini Atzeres, right? Shmini Atzeres in Simchas Torah. When do we do the transition? You know, because which day is the real Shmini Atzeres? Hey, Dina, what do you do? So, Amarav, Mazchil B'Musafim, Uposek, B'Mincha Arvis V'Shachris, V'Chosim B'Musafim. So you do it on Musaf Shmini Atzeres. Then, because you have to do it on the second day too at Musaf, so you have to go back to the normal thing after Musaf and stop and and you know and stop saying it, and then it begins saying it again. Musaf on on Simchas Torah. So Amalu Shmuel, so Shmuel said to him, Puku Abba, or he said to his students, Go tell Abba, which is his way of referring respectfully to Rav. Shasito Kodesh, if you said it Musaf and Shmini Atzeres, you've indicated that today is Shmini Atzeres, not that it might be the seventh day. So, you're going to go back and not say Mashim Baruch? By not, by not saying it, you're saying it's still Sukkot. It's not necessarily Shmini Atzeres. Once you say Mashim Baruch and Shmini Atzeres, you're indicating it's no longer Sukkot. It really is Shmini Atzeres. So you can't go back now and not say it, which would indicate it's not Shmini Atzeres. So, Elam or Shmuel, Rabbi Shmuel says, Matchil b'musafim u'b'mincha. Once you do it at Musaf, you do it at Mincha because you have to end the day signifying that you're treating it as Shmini Atzeres. Uposek arvis v'shachris. But then, when it comes to Simchas Torah, then it's a new day. Now we can go back to pretending that today might be Shmini Atzeres. And if today Simchas Torah was Shmini Atzeres, we wouldn't be saying it Ma'ariv and Shachris. And you go back, and then you start saying it at Musaf. So you have to replay the day when it gets to be the next day. And Rav Amar Kivan Shahid Chil Shuvein Posek, which is obviously what we do. Excuse me. Once you start saying Mashiv Aruach, you've indicated that now is the time for Mashiv Aruch Mordechai Geshem, and from Shminiyatus on, you're not going to change, which is clearly our psak. But just to go back and say that the Gemara ended up with a with a position of Reb Yochanan, which we had been avoiding, but it clearly is Reb Yochanan's position, which is which is that Mashiv Aruach is exactly coextensive with. And then it becomes the question, do you start saying both of them on Shemini Atzeres, or the day after, you know, Sukkot, and you start asking, or do you start waiting for both of them until Zion Marcheshma? And rather than sort of choose, the Gemara says, well, maybe it makes a difference, time of the base of Mikdash, not the time of the base of Mikdash, but for us, what's conceptually interesting is that the whole earlier part of the Zaf had worked to separate those two, and that obviously is the way we paskin, we paskin that you say Machiva Ruach from Shemini Atzeres, and you start and you ask only in Zion Cheshman, but we have a Reb Yochan position that really brings the two of them together.